y'all welcome to no boy allow it's your girl deli checking in with our co-host kiki hey and kyra what's up boys listen up today's topic we're going to be discussing child abuse did you know that one in every of nine girls will experience sexual abuse before the age of 18 one in every 53 boys will experience it as well i think this topic is very important you know and it's something that a lot of girls don't want to talk about, but it needs to happen because if people don't talk about it, it's going to continue to happen. People need to know what to look for, you know, and how to prevent it. So I think people really need to start talking about it so <clears throat> the cycle can change. And I think most people don't speak on it just because they're afraid of how people react and if they don't get the responses they're looking for but we're having this discussion today to see if we can try to break that cycle to get people to want to speak about it, to hear different stories, to know how theirs turned out and give you the courage to want to speak up so we can prevent this from happening and stop the generational curses. And hopefully a lot of women will be inspired to speak up or speak to someone about their story. We will have a few guests coming on today to share their stories about sexual abuse. Hi ladies, welcome to No Boys Allowed. Um, today's topic, we're going to be talking about child abuse, um, more so sexual abuse. Um, this is a popular thing in all around the world um, that women experience as well as men. Um, so we thought it would be important to discuss this topic um, and share with viewers. Um, we have our co-host on the line, which is Carissa. Yes, hi guys. Um, we have our guests, uh, Nessa and Shalina. Thank you guys for joining us today. Thank you. Hi, thank you. Um, so I just want to also put out the disclaimer that there is no set way um, to listen to someone's story. Um, so please don't expect someone to cry or someone to, you know, if they experience it differently, then they may cry, they may not cry. You, you never know someone's journey. So please don't have any expectations of what our, our stories will be like or what they will sound like to you. Um, Shalina, would you mind just telling us a little bit about yourself? I'm in your story. Uh, okay. Um, so yeah, my name's Shalina. Um, I'm originally from England and uh, I've been uh, in public about the matter for quite a while um, and that's sexual abuse. Uh, I just think it's important that at a time when I was going through a lot of emotional turmoil and I looked for maybe a role model or somebody I could identify with. Like there wasn't anybody sharing their story. And I think the beauty of things like YouTube is like, you can be watching something, you know, quietly and you can have a good old cry. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that is one of the biggest things that you have to deal with when you are dealing with your abuse and you decide to start healing is that, you want to be in a safe space where you can number one hear how other people got through their struggles uh and number two you know begin to start to heal yourself and find ways of moving through so that was definitely where my motivation is today um but um you said you want me to share the story yeah what happened um yes um just okay um, if you kind of want to just tell us uh where it started what age Mm -hmm. How would it today? So I don't know how old I was. Um, I, I kind of have this blackout uh, and I don't 
remember anything very clearly. But um, I know that um, it happened by a family member and my mom was busy, um, you know, uh, and it was a trusted family member. And I guess he was an opportunist. Um, so that happened. And then when I was around 15, I was in school and there was a counsellor that came to school and he was talking about abuse and stuff. And he was like, if anybody wants to share what happened to them. And I think that kind of just unscrewed, you know, a part of me that needed to talk about it and realised that I needed to heal and whatnot. So the, the abuse was brought up by the counsellor to the family members. Um, my mom was made aware, you know, all of the family members, you know, a circle, you know, um, I'm Asian. My, my family is predominantly Pakistani and then my dad's side are from Kenya. Two very different um, operations in terms of their culturals and beliefs and values. So anyway, because I was with my mom, it was the Pakistani side where we had um, this meeting and uh, the family member was confronted and uh, he, he admitted it. And of course, you know, you're at school, you hear that when someone's abused you, it's something very bad. And um, you have these expectations. Oh my God, the family are going to be like, I can't believe this happened to you, Shalina. Oh my God. And then just like, I don't know, totally demonize the person that done it. There'd be repercussions. Did any of that happen? No. And you know what? I think the response of my family did equally as much damage as the abuse, you know, have been abused is one thing, but made to feel like you spoke up. I spoke up, you know, how, we, we know that how hard that is, right? I spoke up and then for my family to just sweep it under the carpet, like, what is that? What is that saying to me? So, you know, it, it really played a big part in my life. And I think it really pushed me under the current of life. I was drowning from that point, trying to just come back up for air. I made a lot of bad choices because that point in life when they could have really helped me become a strong woman to move forward, really changed. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much um, how it is. Fast forward. Uh, you know, I've had kids, I've become a mum, you know, and, and I've seen how much I need to share my journey. You know, I'm someone who's bubbly. People are like, oh my God, Shalina, you know, you give me so much joke and this and that. And you've been through so much, you know, how, you know, and I'm like, well, it's time to share that, you know, it's time to actually be someone, um, especially being Pakistani, especially being Muslim, you know, you don't get many um, women in that, you know, in that role that are willing to stand on a platform and say, hey, this happened to me. It's almost like um, you are belittled and oh my God, how could she tell, da, da, da. you know, so that's, that's who I choose not to be, you know, and um, God is good, you know, thank you for inviting me today because um, you know, I made this little whisper to myself that I was going to be positive and, you know, God is good. God is now putting me on platforms where I can raise my self-worth and not let that situation make me become any less, you know, of who I am. So thank you.
Um, well, <laughs> you got me a little teary-eyed there because yeah. you, when you talked about family, just just treating you a certain way after you see, um, like when they hear other stories, when they watch it on TV, their responses are so much different. And you yeah. think, oh, if this was to ever happen to me, I know my family would stand up for me. But like you said, they don't, you know, and they, yeah. they don't respond how you think they're going to respond. They don't stand up for you. Not to say all families, because I know there are some families who will go to war, you know, when, when they find out this has happened. But it is very common that families, they try to blame the victim or they just don't say anything at all, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think, um, you know, from experience, I've seen that it was almost like it was made about them, you mm -hmm. know? Um, they took it upon themselves, you know, to to turn it to be about them. You know, my mom was like, what are the people going to say about me? How did I respond? Why didn't I know about this sooner? Oh, my God, these people can't hear. Da, da, da. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you know. Um, and also, I think there is a, a generational perception difference. So how my elders viewed sexual abuse is very different to how I view sexual abuse. And it's very different to how my daughter views sexual abuse. I think sexual abuse was so common in older generations and men were able to mistreat women so much that our mothers, our grandmothers are like, yeah, and sweep it under the carpet. You know, whereas we're like, what? Help, what? You know, yeah. and we wanna, and they're like, no, no, shh, shh, stop making so much noise. What are you making so much noise for, you know? Do you don't want everyone to know your business? Da, da, da. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, you know, and um, I have a daughter today. And having a daughter today, see, it gets me emotional, this bit. Having a daughter today, right? She's nine years old. I don't remember how old I was, but I know I was probably around her age. Oh, my God. If anyone, and I sit her down, I'm, let me tell you something, little girl. Let me tell you there are good people out there, but there are bad people. Let me educate you about sexual abuse, right? Because that ain't going to happen. That ain't coming close to, you know, my daughter. Mm -hmm. And I think in the climate that we're in, you know, um, we have to be blatant. We have to have these conversations as mothers, as daughters, as sisters. We have to have these conversations so that um, the dynamics change because times are changing, you know? Mm -hmm. Yes, we have to stop the generational curses. We have to. Um, yeah, mine is um, with the memory part of it. Mine, I have a, I can relate to Shalina. Like a lot of it is faded to where I can't remember when it started. Like it's really a blur to me, but I know the age. I don't, I don't remember the first time or anything like that, but I was five for sure. And my stuff was like with my older brother and on my father's side. And now the thing with my story is like, because I was five, I guess it was easy to manipulate me. Like, I guess it started off probably slow. It probably started off with a touch here and there just to get me familiar, making it seem like what he was doing was okay. And the thing is, I wouldn't, I'm not going to say his name just because I'm currently in a situation to where I want to try to have a talk with him because at the same time, my brother was a child himself. So it's just like, I'm looking forward to try to have a talk with him just to get him to own up to it and try to work for our stuff that's forgiving him. But like then it really did take a real toll on my life of how I grew up and how I reacted to a lot of things. But 
So it'll go by anytime I went over. My mom and my dad are um wasn't together, so I'll go over my dad's house like every weekend or every other weekend. And literally every weekend I went over there, I would get molested. Like it wasn't as far as like a lot of stuff to where I saw nudity or anything. It was a lot of like he had forced me to drive hump him like as if I was riding him or things like that or had me touch on him. But then in, like a couple years later when I think I was about like nine, when as I started I started getting to an age to where I really was aware that like I'm not comfortable with this. So it began to where he had basically be forcing me to do the dry humping and stuff like that. And I'd be crying. I just remember crying. And the one event I remember perfectly, me being nine years old, I was at my dad's house. And it was like the usual. He had me in my dad's room while my dad was at work. And he was doing what he usually do. But then he had left out and went to go get my, my other brother. The, it's the one that's like two years younger than him. He went to go get my other brother and had him come in the room. So when he came in the room, he left out. My older brother, the oldest brother left out and he had told him to go in the closet and told me to like count count to 10 or something while I was sitting on the bed and then open the closet. So when I counted to 10 and opened the closet, my brother was just naked. So it was the first time I saw a penis, first time I just saw a naked man, it was my brother. So he had me grab on it, touch it, lick it and stuff like that. And then sad to say in the other room, my older brother was messing with my sister. So they had a time clock where every five minutes they were switching us. Literally every five minutes they count. When the five minutes hit, I go in the other room and she come in there and they were switching us for like hours. So that stuff like that continued on for more years. But then it was one day when I was 12 years old, another event I'll never forget was the day he actually was trying to have sex with me. Uh, we were in a room and it's like he took my pants down and the whole time, like, I, it was so weird because I felt uncomfortable, but I also didn't feel the need to move or stop it. And I really don't know why. Like, I just, I just was laying there, like, face down on the floor. And he had went in the kitchen and grabbed, like, a Ziploc bag or something or a saran wrap. And then he wrapped it around his penis. And he, had, he told me to, like, to arch up and he was trying to put it inside of me. But the thing is, it's like, he tried for like 20 minutes and it wouldn't go in. And I just like, because I know he kept on trying, I just laid flat on the floor and didn't move. So he wasn't allowed to do that no more. And at that moment I knew, I, cause I'm like, he's literally trying to do this to me. Like, I don't know exactly what's going on, but he's trying to do this to me and I don't want it to happen. So I just laid on the floor to be left out of the room. And from that moment, it was like, I stopped him from ever messing with me again because I really did not want that to happen like I was already damaged from the touching and the humping and all that I couldn't allow that to happen so he never messed with me again but throughout my life it really did mess with me a lot like once I started getting to the age to where I had boyfriends I really kept my boyfriends unhappy because I was afraid for them to even touch me kiss me hug me like I flinch and just I was never comfortable with it. It took a long time for me to ever get to a point where I was comfortable. Like, once I got of age, like, around 18, I started wanting to open up about it. 
like I started telling certain family members and then I just really wanted to get it out. And as slow as time went on, me telling my story has made me be able to deal with it better, like a lot. Like, and I think my only last step is to confront my brother. But I confronted him in a way, it wasn't directly, it was a day last year I got it out to where I end up telling my dad and that didn't go too well either because my dad just was in disbelief that his favorite son could ever do something like that to me so it's just like he like he like completely bypassed what I said like just ignored what I said and I guess weeks later he said something to him about it and my brother said I was a liar so that's when I said I really need to talk to him myself because if I'm ever going to get through this fully he needs to own up to what he did to me. He needs to know, like, at the end of the day, he's my brother. And I, he's lucky that I understand enough that he was a kid himself. And I think something probably happened to him to where he was willing to do that to me. So I feel like for him to call me a liar and I'm willing to forgive him is really messed up. Because something like that, you don't want to hear that. Like, it happened to me. I was a little kid, you know. I was five. All up to the age of 12. So that's mean my story to where I'm just I really that's why we're starting podcasts like this and doing discussions like this because most people want to sweep it under the rug and want everybody to be quiet and be hushed about it and I feel like that needs to stop. People need to be heard. People need to speak on these stories because it can save another life. I have a daughter myself and I don't want to lock her up and shelter her, shield her away from the world because I'm afraid of something happening to her. I need to let her know that it's okay to say something. So, And I can't do that. I can't teach her that and be quiet myself so people will know. And that's my story. Ooh. I think uh, that last statement is, is really powerful in itself. Um, we have to speak up and like um, Pearson said, this is the whole reason, you know, that we started this podcast is because we need to speak about these topics that nobody wants to talk about. Um, unfortunately, they're not strong enough to hear them sometimes or they don't know what to do. So that's why we're trying to bring awareness to that and everything else that, you know, those issues that we face as women. Um, Nessa, were you ready to go? If not, I can definitely jump in. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Ooh. Um, thank I'm, you so I'm, much. I'm oh my God, you're so so brave. Thank you so yes. much. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Oh my God. I definitely agree that we should speak up. Like it's you be amazed. It be, you be amazed. A lot of people go through this. A lot of people go through it. And families sweep it up under the rug. They do like it's crazy. I I don't remember how old I was. I believe I was 10. I believe I was 10, maybe 11. And um, it was a family friend and it became the usual. It was just like, it would start off with saying things that I want to say were uncomfortable. I thought were uncomfortable, but I would never say anything. I would never tell anybody. I was just, you know, our little secret or whatever. And they would make it seem like if you tell somebody, I'm going to get in trouble. Do you want me to get in trouble? 
you don't want me to go away. You don't, you know, and I thought they were family to me. They were just a family friend, but, and I never said anything. I never told it. I never told a friend. I had close friends, but I never said anything. Like to this day, I have never told, I don't have my parents now, but I never told anyone. That was something I kept to myself. I, I see this person, I ain't gonna say now, but when I got older and I just kind of kept my distance and it's like, to me, I feel like, do you feel bad for what you did? I never even brought it back up. It never went so far as to um, sex, but it was like touching. And that was just gross to me. You know, um, it happened a few times and I remember when I got older talking to uh, my best friend and she told me it would have happened to her. I got close to wanting to tell her, but sometimes you don't want to say nothing because the questions are going to come. And it'd be like, you know, the first one be like, why didn't you tell somebody? And I don't know. I still to this know, I mean, to this day at 31, I don't know. And I think what made me, I kind of put it in the back of my head like it never happened. But I think what really hit home was when my daughter, when, it, when my daughter was molested. And that, that is still, that's still hard for me. You never expect it to happen. You never expect someone that you, I feel, I feel the blame because I brought this person around. I trusted this person. Um, I thought you loved my children just as much as I love my children. And, um, my daughter was, I want to say 10 when it happened, but she didn't tell me until she was 11. And when she told me, your first instinct is to, to be in the, to be the parent. I told it, I did what I was supposed to do. Um, that person is is locked up facing time for that. I'm so thankful. I, I'm I'm blessed that she told me, but I never asked her why didn't you tell me? Because I know why I didn't say anything. But I'm still lost for words. Like this is a topic that, like I said, and like everybody that spoke said, we go through it and we don't know why we say, why we don't say anything. For me, I, I can't say for my daughter, but for me, I felt like it was my fault because I've always been a, uh, I, I'm, I, as a young person, when I was young, a teenager, I was built like a grown woman. So I felt like, you know, I was asking for it. I'm not saying that, I'm not going to say that's why it happened to my daughter, but I never knew exactly what happened until we went to court because I never questioned her. It was just my, this was my ex. He was touching me. That's all I needed to hear. So I took the steps. I did what I was supposed to do. I took her to the hospital. I got her therapy. Um, we had him picked up. We went to every court date. We did everything. She still go to therapy. Um, I, I do everything I'm supposed to do, but I still got that guilt because I felt like I had this person around. And how did I not know this was happening in my own home? How did I not know that this was happening? I see, you know, father figure for my children. I never 
you never think that the person that you love and the person that, you know, I didn't bring him around as soon as we started dating. Like, he was the stepfather to his kids. I just, you just never, you never know. And I'm not going to say it's always someone you trust, but most of the time it's a, a family member, a friend, a neighbor. It, it's, it be the people that you that you love and trust around your children or you trust. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And um, this was 2017 and he just got sentenced March of this year. And it went on for a very long time. Right. When I started getting to the process to where I did want to say something, I think I was probably like eight or nine. And at that point, I knew my reason. But the crazy thing is, like I said, it started happening when I was five. I really can't explain why I didn't say anything. But when I was eight, I did become the former reason. My reason, I didn't want to say nothing because I knew, like, my, if anybody uh, know my mother, my mother would go to war for me. And I knew in my head, I don't know if that really would happen, but my eight-year-old head, I'm thinking, if I say something, I'm going to get taken away from my daddy. And I didn't want that. Like, I knew for sure because it was happening at my dad's house, my mom would have took me away from him. And I put up with that all those years just because I didn't want to get taken away from my dad. And I think that's why I hurt so bad for the reason when I finally told him last year he didn't believe me. I'm like, wow, you know, I put up with that all them years so I won't get taken away from you and you don't even believe me. So that's real crazy, but like a lot of people really don't know how to explain why they don't say nothing. Yeah, and I just want to add, um, Nessa, you, you were in no shape, no form responsible for what happened to you. It doesn't matter what you wore. It doesn't matter how fast you developed. That that was completely not on you. You had no say in what what took what took place to you. And also, it was you were very brave. And your daughter, you know, mothers like you, they don't they don't handle the situation always like you did. So that was very courageous of you for you to take that leap and not even you know try to blame her and ask her deep questions. You know, and I know sometimes mm-hmm. there are women who will make it up. But you have to trust that when some when children say stuff like that, you have to, you know, you have to see what's really going on because that's not just something that they think of. So props to you for actually taking the right steps for your daughter, you know, and being an advocate. You couldn't do nothing for yourself at that time when you were younger. You were able to set an example for her. And that, that takes a lot for sure. Yes. And also, don't try to hold that guilt either from it happening to her because the best thing that you did was actually doing something about it. The fact that you actually took the steps that most mothers wouldn't do, because like most mothers do just ask, why didn't you tell me? Mm-hmm. But you actually just straight and took the steps. You got him convicted. Yes, and it was no questions. Often heard. That is it not was often no heard. questions. Nessa, no do you questions. mind me asking how long um, did he get convicted for? He got, tw- he got 25 to 40. Wow, that's that's really good. He was charged with uh, see, he was charged with uh, criminal sexual conduct, first degree. I think he got three counts of first degree because they consider uh, penetration because he used his fingers. And like I said, I never asked her what happened. It was just he touched me. That's all I needed to hear. And my son, my my older t- kids are twins. I have a, a daughter and a son. 
And she said that it happened twice. The first time, nobody knew. The second time, my son caught it. And that was her witness. So I had to testify that they that they told me and my son was her witness and they were he was we he took it to trial which i i didn't believe he was going to do that that was so hard i think um that would have to be the hardest day of my life having to testify to to that and i'm a grown woman so i can just imagine my children and i couldn't be in there with them because i had to testify and mind you, this just happened. This happened in 2017, but you prolonging it. The system mm-hmm. is so messed up. Like it just kept getting prolonged. And it was times when my kids wanted to be like, mama, just, we just gonna, you know, and go. I'm like, let it go. And I'm like, you know, we had those conversations where I'm gonna back y'all up if that's what y'all want to do. But then at the same time, think about somebody else's children. And that's what my daughter was like. I don't want him to get with another girl. And, and she got kids and it happened to them because when I tell you, we went through stuff. We went through stuff. And he wasn't good to me, but I never, ever questioned him, what he did to my children. I never, in my eyes, he was a good father figure. But look, but to this day, I still, that's something that's just going to always haunt me. That's just something that's going to always haunt me because I felt like I didn't know. I seen this person every day. I seen my children every day. I work nights. But I just felt like I never seen no type of signs. You know, they asked that type of stuff. They, mm-hmm. they they ate me up when I was going to court. It's like, how you not see this? Mm-hmm. You weren't paying attention to your child? You wasn't paying attention? And that still eats at me. The mm-hmm. prosecutor ever said it. She was like, it's a lot of parents that don't do anything. And it's like, how could you not? I don't care how much I love you. My kids come first. Mm-hmm. And she told mm-hmm. me you did this. Mm-hmm. So I did what I was supposed to do. And to me, that takes precedence over everything else. The fact that you was willing to step out and make sure actions were taking place, to me, that takes that takes over everything everything else, you know. Um, my story is, is so many parts. Um, you, each of you kind of touched the surface of everything that was um, happening to me because my story, it started... Um, it's, it is that blurry part where it's like, I don't know if I was two, was that three? I don't know, but I do know that I was young. Um, the earliest I would say is I was five. Um, it was, so I was adopted in, by my great aunt. Uh, my great aunt took me in. I think she took me in when I was about two. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was happening when I was two. Um, but she was, at the time, she was with someone um, way before I came along. Um, she had already had her three kids by someone else, but she was with him for at least 10, 12 years before I came into the picture. Um, but she adopted me and she adopted my other cousin. Um, so there was two kids. He was about eight when I came into the house um, at two years old. Um, but he was, you know, she she loved him. She loves him, I should say. Um, and he was in the family for uh, since since they were together. So the family, you know, they love him as well. Um, but at around five years old, I remember um, my mom room being about right here and my room being about right there. And there's like a bathroom in between. Um, but my mom would go to sleep and he would come into my room. Uh, he would say, come, you know, come out here with me to the living room. Uh, he would turn on the TV. He would turn on porn. Um, he would, you know, watch watch what they're doing, and then he would start touching on me. Um, and again, I I was 
five. Again, it could have been even younger. Um, he would touch on me, you know, basically do what, what they were doing in the video, um, except for penetration. Um, so he would, instead of penetrating me, he would put it between my thighs um, so that he would get that same satisfaction. Um, so this happened from when I was five up until um, I believe at 10 is when they got a divorce. Um, they, they didn't get a divorce for that reason because at the time my mom claimed she still didn't know. And I call her my mom because she raised me. Um, at this current time, I'm questioning whether that title still fits. Um, but she, she was seeing someone else. So they ended up getting, she get, she picked them out. Um, and that, at that point I was like, I'm free. You know, like this is finally gonna stop. I didn't have to say anything. I didn't have to do anything, you know, I'm free. Um, and at that point, I don't think I told anyone yet. Um, I was kind of just, you know, he was, um, he was doing little things to get me to be willing to do it. So I remember one time we were outside, he was like, I'll give you a piggyback ride. If you, if you come downstairs tonight, um, I'll, I'll teach you. I was a very sheltered child. So like, they wouldn't let me go over family without them. They wouldn't let me go see my cousins without them. Um, but he do little stuff. Like, I'll let you stay up late tonight. If you let me touch you or, or um, I'll let, I'll teach you how to ride your bike. You know, your mom don't want you riding your bike outside. I'll let you, I'll let you ride your bike or just little things like that. And I know people look at that as like, wow, you feel you're, when you're a kid it's you know, like, okay. And, and as much as people question, oh, why would you let him do this? And to me, that was my dad, you know, like as much as my mom was my mom, that was my dad. So, um, as time they had their divorce uh they were divorced for about two years and at that time i contemplated should i say something but i'm like he's not coming back around so you know like I, they were still talking here and there and you know i wouldn't be like oh i miss my dad but if they came around like hey um but at about 12 11 or 12 years old they got back together um, and I was like, wow, you know, they, they're back together. Should I say something? Um, I think at that point, that's when I told, started talking to my cousin, um, Kirsten, about the situation. Um, and I, I'm not sure if she told me, too, at that point, like something was happening to her, too. Um, but it was just like being able to finally tell somebody where I wouldn't get in trouble and he wouldn't get in trouble either because he, like you said, he was always like, you don't want me to go to jail, do you? They're going to lock your daddy up. You don't want your daddy in jail, do you? Um, you don't want them mad exactly. at me. And at mm -hmm. the same time, he was apologizing to me. So after every time it would happen, I'm sorry, Margarita, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to stop doing that. I know that ain't right. Like, so it was a, a, always manipulation. And, and my family was big on religion. Um, and they were like, you know, uh, God says to forgive and, and he would use that as well. You know, like, I'm sorry, I'm a, I'm gonna talk to the Lord and, you know, I'm gonna ask him to have me stop. Um, but again, it would, it would continue. Um, so after, after they got back together, um, we moved into a new house and he thought that it was going to start back up again. Um, and at that point I had conversation, you know, like, like you say, the school, they tell you, you know, slightly what sex is and, and you hear about other people having starting to do stuff, but you don't know what it is. So I didn't know what sex was. I didn't necessarily know how to get pregnant, but I'm like, I'm definitely not going to let you, you know, get me to that point. So um, at that point, I started saying no to him. Um, I started saying, I'm going to tell my mom if you keep, you know, trying, like I said, no. Um, and he wouldn't come as, he wouldn't 
do it anymore, but he would sit outside my room. He would, um, late, like late at night, he would turn on porn and he would play with himself. And my room is like angled directly across from him so he can see into my room and he's making sure that I can see him as well. So he would be playing with himself. Um, it would be late at night, like two o'clock in the morning. It's completely dark and I could just feel him. Like I'm asleep and I can feel someone's watching me. So I wake up and he's butt naked right there in my room. Um, there, there would be times where my mom would wake up and she would say, oh, um, Jim, what are you doing up this late? Oh, I'm not doing that. I'm just watching TV. I'm just watching TV. So like she, to me, it was like, it just, it was opportunities for her to question um, even further. And she just never did. Um, so finally, um, he started like trying to tarnish my name. And the more I do research, I realized that that's a popular thing as well. But he started to tarnish my name to the family. Like, oh, she's, she's messing around with guys at her school. And she's, she's doing all of this. And he would tell that to my family. And I wasn't doing nothing at the time. So I'm like, not only are you trying to abuse me and you're watching me and you're, you know, making me feel like a prisoner in my own home, but now you're going to my family and making me look bad. You know, like I was just, I was just baffled by that. So um, that continued for a little while. And of course, you know, at some point, I'm like 14, 15, I did get a boyfriend, but that's what you're supposed to do. You know, like you're supposed to have a boyfriend, somebody who's your own age, not some grown man who's 45 years old trying to pray on, you know, but even then it was just like, oh, you better not, you know, be talking to nobody else and making me feel bad in essence. Um, so finally I was like fed up with it. And I got to the point where I was like, you might, you know, the reason why he keeps, cause he kept trying to convince her too, that I was sleeping around with guys and I hadn't done any of that, but I was like, Ma, you know the reason he keeps doing that is because he's the one who's been touching me. And I was just like, what? You know, she was like, like her reaction was like, what you doing? What to my daughter? You know, she had the big reaction that you would expect to happen. Um, so then we went to my sister's house. Um, we stayed with her for a few days. Um, but when, he, when she confronted him, he was just like, well, if that's what she say I did, I guess she right. You know, so it was just like, what you know like he didn't deny it he was like well that's what she said she did i did and i guess so and then he went to the room and he started pretending to pack up his stuff like he was about to leave um but instead that's when we went over my sister house um we stayed for her with her for like a week or whatever um i remember my mom and her talking about what was going on but eventually we came back to the house um and she talks to me she's like we're gonna go back because he's He's got the money right now. I don't have any money to support us. Um, it's not going to be the same. I'm, not, I'm, I'm going to take my ring off. I'm not going to sleep with him. I'm going to sleep on the couch. Um, it's not going to be the same. We're not going to be married technically. I'm, I'm 11, 12. So, okay, mom, whatever you say, you know, I, you're the one who's protecting me, providing for me. So I got to follow your lead. Um, as much as people say, well, why didn't you tell anybody else? This is this is my mom, as far as I know. You know, this is the person who's taking care of me. So um, we went back to the house and um, he apologized again. And he's like, you know, forgive me. Um, I'm gonna change my ways. And, you know, I'm sorry that that happened. And time went by before I knew it. It's been a year later and I'm still making sure my bed is not positioned towards the door because you're still peeking in through the cracks of my door. I'm still making sure that you're not looking down in the shower hole as I'm taking a shower. Um, I'm trying to make sure that you're not coming in my room at night or creeping outside the window at night. Like these things were still taking place after I had told my mom, but it was like, 
nothing happened, you know. So a a year or two years went by, and we're just we're just in this in this uh, in this uh, life like nothing happened. So eventually, I you know I'm I can't speak any louder. I told the one person who took me in who who was supposed to protect me. So um, that continued that continued for years. Um, eventually, you know, I got. I finished school, I moved out, I got my own house and stuff like that. I made sure that I was secure, but another bombshell dropped because my my mom's biological daughter, her youngest daughter said, you know, we were planning an event for my mom, a birthday surprise. And she was like, you know what? I don't even want to do it anymore because mom never stood up for me anyway. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And she's like, well, I'm just saying, you know, when Jimmy raped me, she never did anything. You said what? Wow. So she's like, what? You don't know? I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, I've been told. If, you know, I've been told the family this. What do you? So this, she's thinking I already knew this and everybody else already knew this. And I'm like, wait a minute. You're telling me that this man raped you 20 something years ago? And then he molested me and nobody said nothing or did anything? Like, are you serious? Like, so that just, that just was a whole whirlwind because I'm just like, all of those emotions came back. All of those memories came back. And all this time, I was still in that cycle of going with things like normal. Like I was still, he, you know, he could come around. And unfortunately, when I got married, I did have him walking me down the aisle because he was still my dad, you know, and everybody else pretended like everything was normal. So I did the same. Um, but when she told me that, I, I couldn't stay quiet anymore. I'm like, uh, what? You know, she, and she was like, I thought you knew, you know, I questioned all this time. Like, why did he, why did he just do this to me? You know, like you, you like, what, what was going on? But, um, so we confronted my mom, you know, we, we sat her down. We're like, Ma, why didn't you ever say anything? Like they specifically, now that we look at it, they specifically made sure that me and her stayed apart in the sense that we didn't talk about anything. Like um, when I would come around to her house, my mom would be like, don't tell her nothing. You know, she knows if she asks me any questions, don't say nothing. That's our business, stuff like that. Even to my cousin, you know, she'd be like, you're not telling Kirsten, no. So that was the thing that I remember her asking me. It was never, are you okay with this situation? Do we need to, you know, you told me you didn't have money. So why haven't we left it? And it's been four years, you know, so um, it will always be, you ain't tell anybody, did you? We ain't tell anybody, did you? That's, that was a constant thing. Um, but when my sister told me that, and we wasn't even close because of, you know, what happened to her, but I was just like, I can't keep quiet about this. So Ma, why didn't you say anything? And her response was, happened to me too. Um, I, I, I forgot. Uh, I don't remember you telling me this, and, and and this is coming from her her response to my older sister. I don't remember you telling me this. Um, it, it, I didn't know that. I just knew that he looked in the window at you, or he peeked through the door, and I'm like, that wasn't enough. <laughs> you know, like him just peeking through the door, like you these little things you remember. That wasn't enough for you to stop it from happening, or at the very least, watch when you have this other little girl coming to your home, make sure she's protected. Um, but that didn't happen. Um, so my mom, like, I was like, you know, mom, I'm in a place where I can financially take care of you because that's what you told me. That's what you told me when I was 12. Um, I, I'm in a place where I can take care of you if you need it, but you shouldn't stay with this man because who knows what else he's going to do or who else he's, he's messed with. And mind you, I've already forgiven him so many years ago because they brainwashed me and told me all of these things. 
but I can't continue to allow you to come around me when I know that it wasn't just me. And as bad as that sound, it's different when you know that it wasn't just you. You know, like now I'm now I'm enraged knowing that you've been doing this. You know, like you didn't make this mistake one time or two or however many times you apologized to me. You've been doing this, you know. So um I we confronted my mom about it and she was just she's in denial. Oh, I didn't know. Um, I, I, it happened to me too, kind of like you were saying, that's it. it's just like, eh, you know, and you too, Shalina, when you were saying, they just like, oh, this happens, like, uh, keep it moving, you know, so, um, I just couldn't be okay with it anymore, and my family, thank you, oh, why didn't you tell us, oh, why didn't you, ha why did you have him walk you down the aisle, this was still a, this was still my father, you know, as much as, as much as people go back to their abusers, like, just do research. That's what I wanted to say so bad. Just do research on this situation because it's very common, you know, that people will pretend that this person didn't do it or that we, and we don't know why. But um, they, that's how my family responded to it. You know, why would he do that? Or uh, why why didn't you tell us? And I'm just like, my sister told y'all 20 some years ago and y'all still questioning me. You know, why didn't you run away? Where was I going to go? You know, I like... I was adopted, I already felt people didn't want me. So where was I gonna go? Um, but that was their response. Um, even now, like this just came out again, uh, 2019. So that's where it kind of blew up to the family. And I didn't have control of how it came out. So that really, you know, brought back those flashbacks. And then I was like, I'm peddling to defend myself about something that happened to me. Um, and, and I'm just constantly asking, why would I lie? You know, what if I had to gain? If anything, I'm exposing myself, you know, and now y'all know something about me that I didn't necessarily want to share. So um, now they're kind of at a point where they're just like, I, I, I kind of cut them off to where I can't, I can't be around you if you can't protect me. You know, I can't continue to laugh and drink and have fun with you when you, when I know deep down that when it comes down to it, I, I don't have anybody that's going to protect me besides the people who actually said this isn't right. And unfortunately, it was only the younger people in my family who actually was like, what's wrong with y'all? Like, what is there to question? Like, if you even think a little bit, it makes sense. You know, when you think about how she, my mom would let me leave with him after family events and I would, she would stay there and I would go home with him. You know, if you, if you start to question just even a little bit, you can make, make the pieces match together. Um, but now I'm at a point where I didn't blame my mom and I wanted to protect her. And I was like, I'll keep this secret till I die for you. But now that I'm old enough to think about it and now that I know he did this again, I can't say that she didn't know. Um, I can't say that she didn't mean to or that she didn't um, want to keep it a secret because as much as she told me it was a money thing, we lived in that house for six more years and we still never left. You know, and you still never made sure that he wasn't still doing what he was doing. I had to stand up for myself. I had to say no. And I had to do what I had to do to survive. So that's what people fail to realize, I feel like. But yeah, sorry guys, that was a, <laughs> that's just the, the gist of it all. Cool. And, and, I, and that's why I said at the beginning too, I didn't know how I'll react when I told you guys, I didn't know if I would cry or not, but the more I talk, the stronger I feel, the freer I feel letting this, letting it go of protecting him, you know, and, and they missed the time when I was crying every night. They missed the times when I, I said I hated him. I wish he went to jail. You know, they missed those times. So now I just feel like everybody expects you to feel be the same or expect you to be crazy or all of this. So now that I'm in a place where I'm I'm okay, you're like, they're questioning it. So 
so I just I can't I'm just like I'm done with you because you're not gonna take me down you know to make yourself feel better but it's crazy yeah. and then going towards how powerful that brainwashing is because I want to tell you guys um I'm the cousin that she told and I thought it's about crazy. that yeah it's crazy when I really think about it like I had when, when it came back up in our family last year I start really thinking like you know I had to be brainwashed or something to where it was normalized to get swept under the rug because I had my daughter around him. They watched my daughter and I knew this happened. So I'm just like, like how on earth did I feel comfortable with my daughter being over there with my grandma and she didn't protect my cousin? Like, that's really crazy to me when I really thought about it. Like, so once it blew back up in the family, I stopped my daughter from going over there. My grandma was calling me like, I want to see my daughter and stuff like that. I mean, my granddaughter. And I really stopped her from going over because I'm like, I'm old enough now to really like break up out of it. But I'm like, I can't believe that I was even comfortable with her going over there and I knew what happened. Like, that's see, crazy. Can you me. talk a little bit about just how we were when we was around him at the house? Yeah, it just like we always uh, be in the room with the door closed if we could have it closed. And we just was always on pins and needles around him. It was just like we uh, feel him looking in late at night while especially, especially because I don't know if he tried to get off on a double or something if me and her both was together to where he trying to peek in at us together and stuff like that. It's just like I even had moments to where I felt because I didn't know he used to look in the bathroom and stuff. Until my cousin ended up telling me about it, I'm like, wow, I think I, I think I felt somebody looking at me one day I was washing up over there. Like, so I'm like, that, that's just crazy to me. And just like, how that be on us? We couldn't, we couldn't go anywhere. They, they really, was, they sheltered us like crazy because I felt like he just wanted to have control over a lot of stuff so he can keep manipulating her because we couldn't have boyfriends. We couldn't go walk to the corner store. We couldn't ride the bike past the tree, stuff like that. We was literally in the house. And once the moment when I found out, and like I said, it's, it's really a blur, but I do think I remember telling my mom and that's how the whole thing come up when I told her like she needs to say something. Cause I think I was telling my mom, I said, I don't want her over there by herself. And that's when I, I, was, I was over there with her a lot. Even if I end up feel like he was looking like I didn't want her to be by herself. I didn't want her to be alone. And just just to go off of like how crazy it was, like we would, you know, typical girls, they it's the summertime, you wanna wear shorts, you wanna wear a nice top, you know, to where you're not too hot. So I was wearing long sleeves. I was making sure my butt was covered. You know, I was walking past, making sure you know, when you got to squeeze past someone, I'm making sure I'm facing this way instead of you. So my, my butt is not exposed to you. So because you can feel him watching me. And as much mm -hmm. as people question it, and I'm just like, I cannot believe my family, they, they didn't see it at all. And it's like, when you're stuck in it, you know, you think everybody can see it. And and like you said, it's, you can't necessarily. Um, so when somebody speaks out, I think it's very important that you take that time to really listen, you know, and question like, way even if it is somebody you love because nine times out of ten it's somebody that you love somebody that's in the family somebody that's that's gonna scare that child enough to where they're not gonna want to say anything that's and true in my family they told me oh my my niece would have told me oh my granddaughter would have told me that's what they told me when i told them my story oh they would have told me if somebody was messing with them how do you know you know and how do you know um what's what's to be happening right now you don't 
but I, I think it takes a lot of courage, ladies, to just just to share your service. I mean, I don't know, um, and thank you, Nessa, because I didn't get to thank you, like, um, for the different levels of, of, of what you went through, defending your daughter, and, you know, and not making it about yourself, and that's what I said moms tend to do, in my experience of when I've spoken to people. Like, I, I, I felt your pain, because I was like, oh my God, your wor the worst fear imaginable as a, mo as a mother happened to you, and I'm, I'm so sorry to, you know, I feel so emotional just saying it. I'm so sorry and god guys i just wish i could physically hug you guys now you know like thank you you know honestly um the stories but um I, I think i'm the oldest here i'm like 41 i don't know but you know for me dealing with the repercussions of afterwards like one thing that i realize is like what one things we don't we don't talk about and it's an ugly topic but the sexual imprint that sexual abuse leaves okay there was a time you're innocent right and you're being touched right god created us that when you're touched a certain way you enjoy it they're meant to enjoy it and there becomes this you know uh, when i say a sexual imprint you're confused because all of a sudden now you your sexual turn-ons have been manipulated you actually exactly. enjoy and get more of a turn-on from be doing something that you shouldn't right that screws you over when you're older and i'm telling you that as an adult yeah. it's helped it's made me make a lot of bad choices you know because now my my uh my sexual um ideas with relationships my my day-to-day -day relationships have totally been warped because yeah. i don't understand what a healthy relationship is you know my, my family didn't respond the way that they should have so my self-worth was totally destroyed I didn't have a dad in the picture. My dad was in a, you know, I did have a dad, but he just, my mom and dad were not together. So, you know, there was, uh, you know, them issues there. And I just, for me, like, the abuse is one thing, but the repercussions, like, or what we've all just shared here, amazing, because, you know, Adele, like, you dealt with it from being a baby. Like, how many years were you being abused, you know? I was listening, like, hold on a minute. And then you came out and then you think it's over. Like, and, and I was put in that position where I had to befriend my abuser, smile, his family member, make peace with him. Because you think, oh, you know what? Everyone else has just swept it under the carpet. So I'm just going to sweep it under the carpet. What the hell? Who does that? I'm not allowed to be angry. I'm not. No, I wasn't allowed to be angry. So that's who I became in life. I became that person where if you step on my foot, I'm quick to dismiss it. But it festers in me <laughs> and comes out in other ways oh, where it harms yeah. myself, you know? Mm -hmm. So, man, I'm like 41 and I feel like I'm only just... This lockdown has been like an emotional declutter. Mm -hmm. The emotions that I have just pushed down, they are coming back up with a vengeance. They're like, uh-uh, you thought I was over that? Mm -mm, deal with me now, you know? And that's really. why I'm so grateful um, now looking back now that it's been a year I'm so grateful that it came out because I don't know how much longer I would have held it in you know and I can't imagine being so much older and still holding on to this secret 
Um, and when it did come out to my mom, it was like, as soon as I let it out, she shoved it right back in. You know, she made it right back into a secret. So it was like, oh, I was just keeping this big secret. And you told me, you know, you're going to go to jail if I tell somebody and you might get hurt. And none of that happened. He didn't go to He didn't get hurt. He didn't have to lose friends or families. Everything stayed the same. So it was just like, what is, what am I worth? You know, like, and that's how I felt because everything he said was going to happen. It didn't happen. So nobody cares about me. Is that, is, you know, is that what it, what it was? But, um, as I told my sister, because now the family kind of blames her, they're like, oh, you just had to say something again. You just had to bring this up. You just had to bring up, you know, the fact that you were raped by him 20 years ago. You know, who, who told you to bring that up? Basically, you know, and so I told her, you know, if anything, I'm just grateful that she kind of took that, that mask off of my face, you know, and right. I, I was able to see, you know, that this wasn't right and that it wasn't okay for me to keep pretending, you know, and my husband, um, like every time I got into a relationship, I told them that I had been through sexual abuse, but I didn't tell them who it was because I said, this is pers a person that's still, you know, around. So I still protected them even, you know, years, years down the line, but I knew as soon as my husband found out that he wasn't going to, you know, continue to allow me to be, you know, masked on either. So um, I think a lot of it becomes just, just trying to protect that person. And like, like Kirsten said, I knew my brother, my older brother who was already in the house, they had already told me, oh, he's crazy. He fighting, you know, and I knew he was going to blow up on him if I was to say something when I was eight. I didn't want to be the fault at that. I didn't want to be the reason, you know, that people come after him or, him and my mom separate. I didn't want that blame. So that repercussion is your right, Jolene, that's a big thing. And it and my family there, they don't understand like, why are you doing this? You know, like why? Because you don't know who the next woman in our family who wants to speak out, she's not gonna be able to. You know, because of those so, repercussions. So I have a few things that I I wanted to comment on. Mm -hmm. So um, what I went through when I was younger, and then I remember as I got when I got older, um, I remember hearing. You know how they think the kids don't really hear and see things, but I remember hearing my sisters. So my siblings were way older than me, and I remember they used to tell me what my dad would do to them. And I remember a cousin told me too, but this was like after my daddy passed. I think if I had been of age, I probably would have said something. I, to this day, I don't know if it really happened or not, but because I went through what I went through, I don't think nobody have a reason to lie about those things. Mm -hmm. What do you gain from it? Mm -hmm. I do those things. And if, and if I was of age, if I was, if he, I could be like, you know what, you were wrong. And then you don't know what your, what I went through because I never said anything. Questions come behind it. And as a kid, or when you get older, nobody should ever hear that question. Why didn't you tell me? Because I was scared. Because a, I feel like a person that has not been through that, they can't really. They can't process it. I think I would, I would have to be sick in the head to ever wonder. That's, mm -hmm. And that's my question to you guys. Like, like, they say sometimes they were took. You guys feel like, you know, sometimes they'll be like, most of the time it happened to them. And it's like, if it happened to them, you know, like the, my abuser, not my abuser, but the person that did what he did to my ex who did what he did to my daughter. I remember when we were together, he had told me stories of what happened to his sisters. And it's like, if you know that this happened to your family, you got daughters. You know you won't want nobody to do that to your child. Why would you do this to my child? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I just feel like... I think okay. it, I think to me personally, I think I think it depends on the situation. So if this happened to you when you was a child, I think it's important, you know, that the people around you 
get you some help at that time you know like because in a sense everything does work in a cycle and if you didn't learn you know that this is bad then you may be tempted to continue that with somebody else you know and once you become an adult it's kind of like you know you know you know right from wrong so if you're continuing to do something like that that means somebody didn't help you along that time when you needed they didn't teach you that this was a wrong thing because you do like um shalina said you get that 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 feeling and you now you have to learn oh that was bad then but now it's right now you know now i i wasn't supposed to have sex then that was a nasty feeling because it was with an adult and now it's supposed to be a good feeling like that's a whole mental exactly you gotta break down so it, i think it's, i think it's not i say uh, that there was this you know and it's like really deep for me to say this now because i'm <laughs> practicing islam and i'm so different to who i used to be but there was this um there was this idea that i had in terms of sexual promiscuity right is that if someone showed interest in me and it got sexual um i would almost uh punish them you know and feel sexually empowered by domineering them and manipulating them with sex and having them in, in control, if you know what I mean. Um, and then I would punish them with it. You know what I mean? And I think yeah. there was a Because now you felt like where... you had that control over the situation, you know, as before. Right. You didn't yeah. control what was happening to you. Um, but we yeah. have... So I think... Go ahead, Shalom. Yeah. No, 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 it's okay. Um, I was just going to say, we have a guest online... Um, is it Sharita? Yes. Hi. Hi, Sharita. Um, Hi. So, <laughs> we have Nessa and Shalita and Tiki who just shared their stories. Um, we were just Hi. talking about, you know, right. what it what it felt like um, and how it's still kind of affecting us today. I want to touch base on um, what Shalina just said, though, about that dominance. Like, as I got older, it started to make a lot of sense of how stuff affected me as well. Like, my whole life, like, from the age of me start dating, I always dated people that were younger than me. And I wouldn't say young, young, you know, like like people that was like minors or something, but I never wanted to date anybody that was older than me because I have that feeling of, you know, somebody that was touching on me was older than me. And I felt like if I talked to somebody younger than me, I'm in control. Like they, they can't hurt me if, if they're younger than me. And I'm like, as I got older, it started to make a lot of sense. I always just thought I liked it, was attracted to younger people, but I'm like, it's the reason why. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm like, I had to make sense of it. And I really think that's why, like, I really think I wanted to be in control. I um, started experiencing, um, well, I was molested first when I was about four, four years old. Um, and I actually got molested out of defense of my siblings because my mother's husband would attempt to um, molest my sisters. Um, and because I was older than they were, um, I kind of voluntarily went so that he wouldn't mess with them. Um, and that happened for years, for years. Um, then turning about 11, and uh, it started with a girl cousin. Um, and then it just kind of continued, um, you know, until I was just old enough to say that I was, you know, fed up with it, which was about 14 years old. Um, what it has done for me, one, I don't date black men because <laughs> um, the person that molested me was dark skin. So I've just never 
that I still see that as a threat to me. Um, as one of the young ladies said, that she dates younger people. Well, I was one that dated older people. Um, and the reason that I dated older men was because, one, I grew up in the system. Um, I spent 24 years in foster care. And I would date the older men because I knew that they would take care of me and take care of my siblings. And so it was more so, you know, I didn't want to be in a relationship where I was fighting and things. And I knew that older, older men, I mean, they would be like 40 years over me. I mean, <laughs> I mean, a significant age um, gap. And it was just like, you know, I couldn't, I didn't just want, I didn't want to be with younger guys because they were just too feisty for me. But as I got older, um, one of my things that I still deal with today, my husband cannot ask me for sex. If I'm not in the mood and if I don't initiate it, then it doesn't happen. If he asks me, then it turns me completely off to the point where we don't even talk. Um, so that is something that I still deal with. Um, Currently, and I've been married 20 years, and that that still um, bothers me. Um, because when you're when you're molested and raped, people take control, and so for the rest of your life, you're trying to not give that control away. So you get exactly. in a relationship where you can be the dominant one. I mean, you're not gonna find a, a husband that is as dominant as you are, because you need to have that control, and that's one thing you know. My husband is a little bit more softer. And so I find myself being more in control. Um, and one of the things that I have to do it my way because otherwise, you know, and then I have to find myself that, you know, somebody actually love you. Yeah. Because I found, I'm just in a relationship because it's just a relationship, right? But you put this wall up because you don't even want anybody to love you. You're just so adamant about being in this bubble you block out everybody, you don't mm -hmm. want to hurt. And so the way we just do away with that is we put ourselves in the in a bubble. We don't care about you that much that you can come in and hate us. I mean, we can hate you or you take something um, from us. And so that stuff, I mean, you really have to get like counsel. Yeah. Um, you know, Shabita, you brought up um, a couple things that I didn't uh, think about this share in my story, but you mentioned how you didn't date um, black men. Um, and I, I'm, I'm married to a black man, but I do still feel threatened when I see someone who looks like the person who abused me. So if I see a mm -hmm. tall, you know, black guy who, who's wearing glasses and he's a little big with a front, you know, that, that automatically puts me on guard. I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm going to stay away from him. And I feel so bad, you know, for yeah. thinking like this person might be a great person. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, nope, you know, I can't. Or just like you said about the the sexual things, just like um, whenever I would date prior to me being married, it was just like some things would make me feel icky. And I would tell them, you know, like if I say this feels icky, just stop. You know, like it just like stop touching me, you know, because it's, it's hard to get that out of your mind, like to mm -hmm. take those flashbacks out of your mind constantly. So you have to repeat yourself, like something that was so terrible is now supposed to feel good you know like that's a whole mm -hmm. mindset and that takes a long yes. time to train your brain and yeah. another thing i had like a like my mom her and i actually just had a conversation some years ago um because i was you know and i was just telling her and she's you know in her 60s and up in age now and of course we we do not i don't even want the relationship that we should have had because i'm just past that but then i you know i found myself one, because sometimes we bottle things up 
And I was that type of person. I didn't tell anybody anything. I bottled everything up and just kept on going. And then as I got older and things started happening, you know, this stuff started coming back. And for the first time, I told my mom, I'm like, you know, I supposed to want to take care of you in your older age. Mm -hmm. But because you left me with your husband and your husband took all of this away from me, I don't want to protect you anymore. I don't want the mother-daughter relationship. Mm -hmm. There's nothing we can read. Can't. Um, and I don't know if I've just never forgiven her. Maybe I just never forgive her because she's never come to me so she can hear the story. She doesn't know what he took from me. You know, she just thinks I'm this strong person that just got past it. And I'm like, this man has taken everything. And because I've never been able to tell her, hey, listen, he has taken my life. I'm 44 years old. I feel like I'm 60 years old because I've had to take care of my siblings. I had to grow up really, really fast. You know, I was told that I would never bear children. That's how bad I was molested. You know, and so now I find that as I grow, as I get older, and I have my own daughters, that this stuff is coming to the forefront. I mean, I have just signed up for counseling because I'm like, whoa, like, I really need to deal with this stuff now. Because it hasn't went anywhere. <laughs> and I had that similar experience, like, with my family just, you know, questioning everything. And, and I'm like, haven't I built up my re reputation enough? You know, haven't I been that good girl enough to y'all? Like, yeah. don't y'all see? Like, I have no reason to tarnish this man, you know? Mm -hmm. And and I think the mom situation, like, and that's why I said, Nessa, I give you huge applause for stepping up for your daughter because to tell mm -hmm. your mother that this happened to you and for her to do nothing or for mm -hmm. her to deny it or for her just not to be able to accept it is a whole nother level. That's a whole nother thing that you have to accept. And, and so that's why at this point, I chose not to speak to my mother like she's she's just there's not is no words you know that she could say at this point that would make our relationship better because you have plenty of time to fix it and you didn't so to but so does to, anyone does anyone else sorry go on to clear something up i probably told it a little a little uh i probably said it fast because i was kind of nervous but my daughter didn't tell me her twin did so mm -hmm. her brother kind of forced her to tell me and I'm so grateful for that that he was like she got something to tell you tell mama what you what what happened and he didn't she never I, I we had this conversation I'm gonna say like he got he got uh prosecuted in in March I want to say this was like maybe last month and I just had a conversation to kick it with her before this pandemic had happened um I was just like, you know, I want to open up. I want you to be able to come to me for anything. We go on nail dates and, and stuff. And we just have a, how are you doing today? Because I felt like I didn't, I felt like the relationship I thought I had with my daughter, obviously we didn't have because it was like you couldn't come to me. But I never asked her why because I knew what that felt like. I don't want nobody to ask me that. But I remember I was like, I don't care what it is. You come to me. It's my job to protect you. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And to this day, nobody comes to my house. I don't care if I've been dating you for a year. I do not let nobody come to my house. They do. They, you ain't got no reason to meet my kids. And that's something. I had to go through therapy, too. She went through therapy. With, um, during this time, she do the Zoom. Like, when we on, mm -hmm. she do the Zoom with her therapist. She still talk with her and stuff. And um, I had to go through it, too. And I just felt like 
they 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 fight like nine days that, that they were willing to if they could get up if they was able to get up on that stand to testify why couldn't why can't i you know what I'm saying? And I tell them they keep me going. My babies keep me going. And I tell my daughter every day. And um, I tell her every day, I don't care what it is, you come to me. And we had a conversation. And you know what, Ada, in the back of my head, you told me two times, but what if it was more than that? And I said, you know, she was like, no, mama, I will tell you. She was like, it was just those two times. Because yeah. I was like, how I know it wasn't more than that? She just telling me, you know, that it's these two. And, um, yeah. And I remember, um, I feel like she'll always be appreciative to her brother, you know, and at that time she probably was scared because she didn't know how you would react. Um, I remember That's when what I she told me. Yeah, when I told Kirsten, um, and we had been talking about it for years, but when she finally told her mom, I was so scared. Like I I remember um her specifically telling me and I was just like, Oh my god, like what's about to happen? You know, all these things that he said, he's about to go to jail, mom's about to do this and none of that happened. So it's just like, I, you know, I'm grateful that those times like people were able to speak up. And, and mm. like I said, just doing something goes so much farther than that, that animosity that starts that could have built between you and your daughter, you know, if you hadn't done anything. And if you didn't know, you know, that I'm not saying that you would be blamed, but I'm just saying that really has an effect on a daughter when her mom doesn't, if she doesn't do anything, you know, and she finds out and she knows and she continues like that, that can really mess them up. Yeah, that's, that's what I wanted to say was that does um anyone relate? But you know, for me, the whole experience in in early childhood because that's what I did. I did a degree in early childhood studies. Mm -hmm. That was my payback because I was like, I need to learn to know how to raise my children because I wasn't raised right. So I want to get it right, you know. And I was very desensitized with all of my relationships, mm -hmm. and. Uh, having my daughter I realized that that's what I've done to my daughter and you know through this whole lockdown um you know I opened up to my daughter and I was like are we good and she was like well I can't exactly say yes mom and I was like okay and I was like you know what we're gonna be girlfriends we're gonna do some bonding mm -hmm. put face masks on a lot with you know, me the way that our relationship should be the way that my relationship should have been with my mom because my relationship isn't like that with my mom I speak to my mom. No sooner am I on the phone, I can't wait to get off the phone, you know? <laughs> and I try. I try. And and it's progress. We we have spoken and but her view is the hell that I put her through for speaking and bringing this up, mm. you know? Wow. Oh. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, and I, Definitely. Like my mom she tries to uh, like she tried to talk to me after the situation and she was just like oh how's your day going tell your husband's mom I said hi and I'm like are you serious you know we we just not gonna talk about everything that's going on you know she she moved out her house with him she she went on the run with him like they're still in hiding quote-unquote till this day because yeah. they're, they're just so shamed and I was like, even I'm at a point where you could just admit to what you did. You can just go get help and that will be something. Right. You know, right. that would be something. But you just off on the run. And I'm like, my family still don't believe it. Are you serious? <laughs> like, what more proof do you need? But you know, but you know, one thing that I realized and Sharida, she's you said it, I'm ready for counseling, is that I told you we all as grown women now 
mm-hmm. have you know opened up and we have asked for healing and i'm telling you it's going to come in abundance ladies you know mm-hmm. and thank you all i'm just so thank you for the invitation and thank you for sure. all sharing your stories because i am taking away pearls of wisdom from from today really well, and so healing you know so <laughs> really thank you so much i'm so grateful in so I many ways that there's someone that went through what you went through similar mm-hmm. it makes it's a load off and it feels good just to know that you're not the only one that been through something just just similar the story mm-hmm. don't have to be exactly the same and so powerful and you guys said that you had um you guys would date younger guys i'm the opposite I will not be a younger guy. I, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm 31, and the last guy I was with was 49. It didn't work out, but that's just always been my thing. I don't know if it has anything to do with that. I don't know, but mm-hmm. that's just always been that's just always been my preference. Now I, le- I learned so much about myself just from that conversation. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Oh my god! Like I've always been with black men ever since. Like obviously the abuser was Asian. That's why I love black men. <laughs> <laughs> Black Lives Matter. No. <laughs> so we, um, I actually appreciate you guys. It's definitely um, hard reaching out and trying to get women to tell their story. So I, I tried to find the best way <laughs> to do that. So thank you guys for coming on. Um, I just want to say if you guys have any final words, any final advice um, for mothers who may be going through this, fathers who may be going through do this or children um what advice do you have for them i think first the first thing is what because I, I know like myself and and just turning in well turning into my 40s is was a moment when i realized that i had mentally and physically drained myself i mean out i mean trying to take care of my siblings and, and, you know, then my own family trying to um, go through and I'm going through and not dealing with half of the things that I need to deal with. And I said to myself, I'm like, how can I be, how can I one, tell a story to help someone else if I am not even dealing with what has happened to me? And I mean, peeling back the layers and really seeing the damage that it actually caused. And I'm 40, I'm in my 40s, and I'm just coming to this realization. So for me, I, you know, and I tell my husband, I'm like, you know, I see about, I see through everybody else. I want to see to me. I want to see to me because the only way that I can stand strong for you and, and my family and the kids is if I'm strong within myself. Yeah, and I can't, I can't, you know, because they look at you like, oh, you're just strong. You went through this, you went through that, you went, yeah. But even that strong person, we need that same support. We need, and and we don't get it for some reason. And so that's why I decided I'm like, you know what? No, I'm gonna take care of myself right now. <laughs> I'm gonna do some of the things I wanted to do for myself in regards to my mother. I'm like, I just keep praying because to me, it seems like it happened with her. Because for you to allow it to happen to your children, mm-hmm. and you know it happened, and there's nothing you could do, it just made me start thinking like, man, I wonder if somebody did it to her, and somebody didn't believe her. So that's why she don't believe us, you know? And we were taken away from her. Like, we, my mom has eight children and didn't raise not one of us. We grew up in the system. And so I think the, the first thing 
is forgiving yourself. Because what we do, we embottle all that stuff and somehow we blame ourselves. Oh, well, if my pajama pants didn't look too tight, maybe you wouldn't say that to me. Or if I wasn't going to the bathroom, you wouldn't have caught me going. And we begin to blame ourselves when, in fact, we're the victim. You know, and yeah. so I was like, you know, I had to come to the the conclusion, okay, I am, I'm a victim of this. It's nothing that I asked for, but how do I fix it? One, I start forgiving myself. Once I start forgiving myself for the way I felt, then I can forgive my mother for the things she's done and has not done. And then I can, you know, because I, I had to forgive a lot of people. I couldn't relate to my sisters. I couldn't relate to nobody because I'm like, hell, nobody knew what I went through. Like, you all were sweet. <laughs> And I'm in here being, you know, raped and things of that nature, so we can't relate. And I, and it was unfair because they were trying to get close to me and I was pushing everybody away, you know, in my younger years. You know, I would hook up with dudes. I mean, I could go sleep with a dude and never say a damn word to him afterwards. I'm like, that's messed up. <laughs> so I knew that, you know, I had to start um, dealing with some of the things. I'm like, I feel like a maniac myself. Who sleeps with a dude and never say nothing to him again? <laughs> And so I just said in my 40s, like, okay, I don't want to be 50 and 60 with children and grandchildren, and they feel that they can't come talk to me, or any, you know, I mean, I'm in the public school system, and I see these young ladies every day, and I see them, and I know exactly what they're going through, you know, but in order for me to be able to say something to them and help them out, I have to, one, get, you know, be together for myself, and the best way is to talk about it. You know, thank you guys yeah. so much for inviting me in because this is a, a subject that is delicate. People mm -hmm. do not, do not want to get in on this, this thing when it comes to children. You know, when I was looking at the R. Kelly thing, they came up, oh. hey, listen, I've been to R. Kelly house three times when I was 15. Really? Three times, myself, I have been in his house, three times. So, you know, it's just like, this is delicate. We just we just let it, we sweep it. And it's time for us to bring this out to the forefront and begin to chains. deal with it. Break the chains, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And it's, it's, it was my cousin and I were talking. It's so funny when, when people hear R. Kelly's story and they all have their opinions, but when it's their own, silence. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it completely silent. Mm -hmm. um, any other final words from you guys? Thank you, Sharita, for sharing your perspective. Nessa, Shalina, any final words or advice? Um, well, I just wanted to say, I think what Sharita said, um, you know, I recently done um, my own thing. I do this thing called Let's Heal, Let's, Let's Talk. And, um, and it was about forgiveness and abuse. And um, I didn't even know that the lady that I interviewed, Audrea Josephs, had been through abuse. So she shared that and it was very powerful. Um, and uh, you're welcome to, to listen to that. But forgiveness, and that's what I learned from the end of it, is that forgiveness is the beginning of healing. That was it. And it was so powerful. So if there's something that I can leave you all with, it's definitely that. I think Sharida touched on it beautifully as well. You know that. So, and yeah. I think to, um, thank you, Shalina, to go off of that, um, I would say forgiving yourself because there's so much guilt from people questioning you, not telling, and there's so much shame from being in it. I think forgiving yourself is one of mm -hmm. the biggest things that you have to do um, to in order to move on. Um, Nessa, did you have any final words? 
I just want to thank you guys for giving me the opportunity to invite me and giving me the opportunity to tell my story, um, telling my daughter's story. Um, yeah. I just think much um, speaking up and telling your truth. Uh, don't sweep it up under the rug. Um, it don't matter if, if you don't tell it as a kid. If you tell it as you get older, I mean. Yeah. And, and if you have children, always be willing to listen. Um, I don't, I, and, and don't let it, sometimes you'll let it ruin you the rest of your life. Just like, um, what Shalina said in your, um, your relationship, you know, you can get married or, or be with someone and, and they don't know why they being pushed away and, and they don't know why, you know, you, sometimes you get where you don't want to open up and tell them. So just tell your truth and let your partner know or let the let you know family know regardless of how they feel because it didn't happen to them you're the victim so mm -hmm. i feel just telling your story and be willing to open up and share and mm -hmm. thank you Amy. thank you kirsten any final yes, um just take it from this um just like I was inspired just from a couple of you guys speaking, I am gonna finally take the step to wanna go talk to somebody and like get help because throughout my life, I did notice that like, it really has damaged me. Like to where I have moments to where I lash out because I hold much, so much stuff in. So I actually finally wanna take that step and go talk to somebody. And I do really wanna encourage everybody else that's out there watching to, not be afraid to speak no matter you if you're a child a man or a woman like this needs to stop and it will stop by people telling their stories that's why you guys are so brave for actually like joining us today and telling us your guys telling us your stories because it could help somebody else that's watching it really could and like that's why i started taking the steps where i i told my daughter what happened to me just so and she's she's about to be eight and because uh, I just want her to be so aware because just like my mom took the steps when me growing up, she always talked to me and told me to talk to her and I still didn't tell her. So, you know, me just telling my daughter, you know, like, talk to me, tell me, it doesn't mean that she's going to. Mm -hmm. So it's just, I, I really got to just really take every step I can to improve myself so I, she would be safe and make mm -hmm. the right decisions and her seeing you do things where you speak out to is going to be inspiring even you know even if she doesn't feel like oh maybe i can't tell her she she may still speak up to someone who will be able to stand up for her if that mm -hmm. but god forbid it because we want to prevent this from happening to any other females you know or children so thank you ladies and we truly appreciate it. We want to continue to talk about topics that we rarely talk about. So that was the inspiration behind No Boys Allowed. Um, so we will definitely get, let you guys know when it's up. And if you wouldn't mind sharing it, um, we'll definitely have that available. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. No we'll see you. <laughs> I'll yes. keep you guys posted. Okay, Bye. thank you. Bye. Bye. Ladies, I know that this show is called No Boys Allowed, but I think that this topic is very important and it not only affects women, but it does affect men as well. So we do have an anonymous guest who wants to go the by the name of TJ, who will be joining us and sharing his story. Um, I think it's very important that we understand how it feels for a man to go through this particular situation. So would you mind just telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so uh, I'm a 
40-year-old black male and uh, grew up in the city, then moved to the country. Um, would you mind sharing what age were you, did you become a victim of child abuse? Yeah, the abuse first started when I was uh, going on nine years old. Um, and, it's, and even today, I know you said you're 40 years old. Does this still affect you quite often? Yes, it does. Um, almost daily for the most part. Wow. Would you mind sharing with us what happened to you? Sure. Um, when I was about nine, there was a family friend whose house I would go stay the night at. He was about 15 at the time. Um, <clears throat> he just decided one night that while his parents were gone, and a friend wanted to have fun with me, I guess. Friend, actually, it was my dad's friend's son. And I would go stay the night with them here and there, probably from the time I was like five. And then uh, when I was almost eight, I went over there and he was over there with another friend of his. And um, he was about 15, the son at the time. And um, that night, as usual, his parents would go out with my dad. It was nothing out of the norm. Um, but then him and the friends started to drink. And they were sitting there drinking. There's nothing unusual. They'd done it before. Um, then they decided they wanted to put on porn. And after they put it on for a while, they asked me if I had ever done any of that stuff. And I was like, no. And then so they convinced me that I should perform oral sex on them. And so me being nine, I thought that's what I was supposed to do because that's what they said. They said that it was cool for me to do that. So I did that on both of them. And after that, I thought everything would be fine. Um, continued to go on, them drinking more. And the night went on. And then the main abuser, the son, decided that he wanted more than just oral sex. And when he started to do it, you know, I cried and I told him no, but he didn't care. He just kept saying, you know, hold on, hold on. And then once he was done, again, I thought it was over, but then the friend decided he wanted his turn. Usually, um, after that, you know, I was told that if I told anybody, they would beat me up and the pain that I had experienced was nothing compared to what they would do if I told. So I just kept quiet. And then, so I would still go over there to stay the night, you know, every now and then. And every time I would go over there, the son, the main per person did all kinds of things to whatever he wanted pretty much. And then there were a few times that the friend would come over also. And then there were two times in particular that they decided to have a group. And there were about four or five of them, those two times. And so yeah. it went on with him until I was about almost 11. And then he moved away out of state and things, you know, stopped happening um, and then when I was a little after I was 11 I met this kid 
um, at the park. I was like playing with him and everything was cool. And uh, I would go over his house. Well, it wasn't his house, it was his uncle's house. Apparently he would stay at his uncle's because of a family situation. And so I would go over there and play, went over there a few times. Um, then I went over there one time and he wasn't there. And the uncle, you know, he was always, he never, you know, tried anything before, never said anything before, um, but the nephew wasn't there. And uh, I was like, you know, where is he at? And he's like, oh, he went, you know, back to live with his mom. But you can come in and hang out if you want. And so I didn't think anything of that. I normally would hang out over there and he was cool. You know, and so I went over there a few times without the nephew there and hung out he fed me you know watch movies or stuff like that then one time in particular i went over there and then he just turned it got to where he was like you should be grateful for me letting you come over here and feed you you should be you know thanking me you know i know you don't have any friends and you, know, you can come hang out here and then i want to be your friend all of that and this man he was probably at the time in his late 30s maybe and i was like 11 and a half so mm. we began a sexual relationship with him that went on for about six months um, and i actually didn't have a problem with it as messed up as it sounds but it was because i was used to that type of thing one and two i didn't really have so, like, my family was always busy and doing their own thing and not really paying attention. I was allowed to go do whatever I wanted to for the most part. Mm -hmm. And, go ahead. no, um, I was just going to ask about your family. So, did they feel anything was different with you when those times would come and you would go back home? No, they never noticed, to be honest. Um, no. You know, did me, you? Me, I probably would have noticed if I had kids, but I don't know. They didn't notice because I actually tried not to act too different because yeah. it was mm -hmm. like a stink on me. Like if I acted different, then they would know, right? And I didn't want anybody to know. Um, especially, yeah. you know, after the first situation that happened, when I met the older man, I never told him no. I never fought, I never cried. You know, I got to where I wanted to go to his house. And so to me at that point, it was like, if I tell anybody, then they're just gonna think I'm nasty, right? They're gonna yeah. Even though it was still abuse, like I didn't know what I was doing. Right. Did you end up telling your family? No, they still don't know. They still don't know. No, I wouldn't tell them. Um, my family, most of them, they did, they, will judge what they don't understand mm -hmm. and it's very homophobic and so you know that's a big you know a lot of people in the black community they don't talk about the things yeah. that go on to kids and stuff like that and if you do talk then you're the one that's wrong not the person that did it to you right like you're exactly so would you say that this has affected you in relationship are you currently in a relationship currently yeah i'm in a relationship um it doesn't affect me too much. It did when I was younger, but not now that I'm older. It doesn't affect me in that type of way. Um, it affects me. Sometimes I question my sexuality just because 
I still have thoughts of those types of things. Mm-hmm. But it's like a struggle because had not what happened to me happened, I wouldn't have yeah. that. Have you ever confronted um, your abusers? One of them. And he pretty much said he didn't remember at first. And then afterwards, he said that If he would have did something like that, it was, he was a kid too. And that was kind of his excuse, even though he kept telling me he didn't remember who I was. Wow. So, so would you say that, um, do you have any advice for parents who children may be going through this and they're just not aware? Because like you said, I know in my situation, um, I tried to do the same thing where I tried to pretend that nothing you know, nothing was happening and that everything was normal. So what would you say parents should possibly look for or do that could help a child that's being abused? I mean, just keep an eye on your kids, um, especially around people, you know, I don't leave them alone in those type of situations. Like pay attention to your kids because the more, the more your kids feel alone, the more your kids feel like they have nobody to turn to, the more this person can come in and say that they're the person that they can turn to. Mm-hmm. Like the older man, that's what he did to me. He made me feel like he was the one that could make me feel good, make me feel better, you know? And I was a lonely kid, you know, after the first situation, I didn't have any friends. I didn't trust any boys because, you know, yeah. All the ones that I had been around that said they were my friends, they only wanted them. And you mentioned that it's in the black community, it's kind of hard for um, people to accept you telling your story. Um, what would you say to a, a young boy who might be in this situation? I would say that you just need to get away from whoever is doing what they're doing. No matter what they say, they can't hurt you the way that they say they can hurt you. Because the reality of the situation is, is if they try to hurt you for saying what you experienced, that only hurts them, right? Yes, the, the mind of a child is feeble, and you don't look mm-hmm. at it that way. That's Very the way you have to look at it. You have to look at it like your your family are your saviors, and if it's your family that's doing it to you then it's your teachers, it's the police, it's somebody that can keep them from doing the things that they do. Yeah. Um, what ways did you, would you say that you've, I feel like it's something you never get over completely, but what are some things that you've done to help you kind of cope with it all these years? Honestly, I just try to stay busy. And I don't mind as devil's playground. And that's a true statement. The more that I'm idle, the more that I'm, you know, not doing things or moving on with my life, the more I dwell and think on what happened. Yeah. Because even with the older man, as much as he made me feel good, he tore me down. You know, after six months of building me up and making me think that I was like a matter in his life and all that stuff, then he shared me with two of his friends. Just out of the blue decided that's what he wanted to do. And, you know, that broke me down too, because I, 
as much as it was a messed up situation, I had trust in him because he was telling me all these things. And I had already been in a situation where I had multiple people doing things. So it just took me back down. Yeah. Had you ever run into anyone as a child who had experienced the same thing that you were able to talk to? Uh, no, no, because most people don't talk about it. Yeah. Most people don't talk about it. And even if you try to hit around about it, that it was, man, why are you talking about some gay stuff or, you know, mm -hmm. just real homophobic people. So it's like, I don't know. Would you, do you feel that if you were to tell your story to your family that there would be some people um, who may have been close to you at the time who would question why didn't you tell them? I don't know, honestly. Mm -hmm. At this point, so much time has passed, there's no point in telling them. Yeah. And do you feel like you'll ever be able to tell them? No, I mean, I could if I wanted to. Mm -hmm. There's really no point. There's nothing to gain from it. They can't change it. The only thing that would change probably is their view of me. As much as people say that they don't change their view of you, they do. They do, they, yeah. For sure. They don't look at you because they have a idea of who you are. And then when you shock them by telling them this, then that whole idea of you goes out the window for something that happened, you know, 10 years ago, five years ago, whatever. Last week, it doesn't matter. Like, as soon as you tell them something that they don't understand or something that they can't cope with, their idea of you goes out the window. Now it's uh, idea of who the person you are when that happened to you happened idea of who they think you are because it happened to you like all these different ideas come from people when you tell them what happened so it's no point in telling what happened my advice is if you're a kid tell what happened so that it stops if you're an adult get therapy because they're about the only people you can talk to that don't judge you and they have no opinion based off of you because they don't know you personally well, thank you so much um, for being brave enough to come on and tell your story. Um, we truly appreciate it. And hopefully, you know, we can reach some young men who may be going through this or just parents to, you know, check in more on their kids.